Tonight's message is called Hope for the Hopeless. Tonight I would like us to consider what you are hoping in for eternity. Now many in this world hope their good works will merit their entrance into heaven. As we've often heard it said of one who dies, well, they were a good person. Now the scriptures, the Holy Bible, declares this in contradiction to that statement. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, the scriptures declare this. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So what that means is that there's none who are righteous in the sight of God in their natural state. There's no one fit to be in the presence of God in their natural state. Then in Romans 3, 11, it says, There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So man in their natural state does not understand the things of God. And they don't seek after God. That's what the scripture is very plainly proclaiming here. And then it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 12, They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So there's not one of us that do good in the sight of God. Because we're born sinners. We are sinners in birth, in nature, and in choice. So we see then that man's works to gain heaven is a false hope. Again, the scriptures clearly declare that salvation is all of grace. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9. So it's not of yourself. It's not of anything you do mentally or physically or anything at all. And it's not of works. It's not of any of our works at all. Why? Well, lest any man should boast, because we as humans like to boast about the things that we do. For by grace are you saved through faith. Well, one might say, well, faith in who? Well, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the the one object of true God-given faith. So I ask you, what is your hope for eternity? Hoping in anyone else or anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ is a false hope. And if you breathe your last breath, hoping in anything or anyone other than Christ... You will go into a Christless eternity, and you will spend eternity in hell. Now, God's saints were sinners who had been saved by the grace and mercy of God. And being a saved sinner, we've been taught that we, by birth, nature, and choice, were born sinners justly condemned by the holy law of God. So the law of God, the justice of God, had a rightful claim upon us because we're born sinners. So therefore, anyone who comes into this world are born sinners, and we have a desperate need. Because we have no hope. Let's turn to Psalm 79. We'll read verses 8 and 9. Now we humans have a need for hope. We have need for a sure hope. We cannot save ourselves. Think upon this. As a drowning man, I cry help. Why? Well, because I need to be rescued. I need hope. But to whom shall I cry? If I go to the preacher or priest, I find no help or hope or health as neither can save me. Well, let's try a church then maybe. Well, I find out a church has a rope that's too short to save me as a drowned man, and grasp as I might, I can't find any help because it cannot save a drowning man who's drowning in their sins. Maybe I could do some good deeds. Well, we saw earlier that there's no hope there, and how could good works save a drowning man? Also, what good deeds can a drowning man do? The rope won't reach, so what a desperate situation. No help, no hope. Where can I find help as a sinner who's drowning in my own sins? Well, listen to Psalm 79, verses 8 and 9. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us. 
for we are bought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Psalm 79, 9 there says, Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Now a drowned man can't help themselves. So we who are born and dead in trespasses and sins, we can do nothing to save ourselves. We're like the drowned man or the drowned woman. We're in desperate need of help. We're in desperate need of being rescued. Well, we as sinners, we're in desperate need of being rescued from our sins and we're in desperate need of being rescued from the law of God and we're in desperate need to be rescued from the justice of God and we're in, in desperate need to be rescued from the wrath of God. And man can't help himself in this task of saving our souls. But God can and he will. Notice the word in verse 9 of Psalm 79, purge. This is a clearing away of defilement to make free of impurity in the Hebrew. And purging of of sins is a monumental work, and it's above and beyond the ability of man. Someone else must do it. Who is that, you may ask? Who can save us from our sins? Well, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, brings forth that only Christ Jesus our Lord can purge a sinner. Only Christ by himself can purge our sins. Listen to Hebrews Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, Notice the text here in Hebrews 1, 3 clearly brings forth that this is a work of Christ and Christ alone. The scriptures declare that by himself he purged our sins. He purged the sins of his people by himself, by himself. He didn't ask for help. There was no help asked for and he needed no help. This was his work. No other man or woman or child, no church, no preacher, none of all creation can offer any assistance in the purging of our sins. It's a work of Christ and Christ alone. Help us, O God, of our salvation. Purge away our sins. You know, only one element can purge a sinner, and that is the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And the Lord Jesus Christ put away the sins of his people. The only way that God the Father would accept, says in Hebrews 9.26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin, how? By the sacrifice of himself. The crimson flow that purges a sinner is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. Do I hear a cry for help? Someone throws a life preserver and it circles the poor drowning sinner. And written on it is, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The justice of God cries, blood for blood, punishment for every sin. And the scripture declares that the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. And the sinner feels within his heart that his judgment is just. If God does not damn me, he would not be just. Oh my. And he would be just to damn every sinner to hell. 
But praise be to God, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses his people from all sins. All the elect of all the ages are cleansed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one may say, I don't know if I'm one of God's elect. What shall I do? I say, flee to Christ. Flee to Christ. Only God knows who the elect are. Flee to Christ. He alone is the sinner's only hope. And if you do, it's because God made you willing in the day of his power. It's because you're one of his people that he redeemed at Calvary's cross. So the believer in Christ's only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we own our condemnation in our natural state in the sight of God. And we rejoice that God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, has provided a perfect spotless righteousness for all his people. We who are the people of God know that there must be an atonement made before God. God's justice must be satisfied before we can be pardoned. And we in our regenerated state, born again by the Holy Spirit of God, look to the only one who can satisfy infinite justice. And think of this, only an infinite one can, can satisfy the infinite. And Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh, fully God and yet fully man. And there he goes to Calvary's cross to bleed and die and suffer in the place of his people, to redeem them with his precious, precious blood. Angels or man cannot help in our salvation. Well, where then shall we find forgiveness? Oh, it's hidden in the secret counsels of the Most High, beloved. I do not know where it is until from the very throne of God I hear these words. I am the substitute. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And looking there, I see sitting on the throne God and yet a man, a man who was once slain. I see his scarred hands and his pierced side, but he is also God and smiling. He says, I have forgiveness. I have pardon. I purchased it with my heart's blood. I had to die, the just for the unjust. I had to suffer for your sake. And now I have help for you. And who is this that speaks? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior of sinners, the one who came to save his people from their sins, the one who finished the work of salvation by himself, by himself, for God's people, for God's elect, so that we might be justified before God. And so that the law of God would be fully satisfied by the sinner's substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to him. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to the perfect Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. Look to the sinner's only substitute because only in him is eternal life. Only in him is hope of eternal life. Now let's turn to Psalm 42 and we'll read verses 1 to 5. And we'll see in verse 5 that there is a hope for the hopeless. Oh, there's a hope for the hopeless. Psalm 42, verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. Well, they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them into the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Hope in Elohim, the mighty one. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, beloved of God, there is, there is only hope in God. As we look to eternity, there is only hope in Christ. There is only hope in he who is called Elohim, the mighty one. We see in our text, the psalmist is telling his soul to trust in Elohim. 
Now, this is a plural word in the Hebrew, which has reference to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the great three in one. Now, think upon how pitiful a hopeless man is. Remember, Job proclaimed these words in Job chapter 7. He said, My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. My eye shall no more see good. And that's Job chapter 7, verses 5 to 7. But listen to verse 6 again. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Now, that's the state of natural man, isn't it? That's what that's what natural man says. And that's what we as believers say when we get looking to ourselves and looking around the world. Oh, keep your eyes on Christ. Keep focused on Christ because listen to the words that Job proclaims as he gets his eyes off himself and looks to only the Redeemer of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this in Job 19, verses 25 to 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I'm going to see Elohim. I'm going to see the Mighty One, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Now, by God-given faith, Job saw a redeemer. And to be redeemed is our only hope. Since we are bound in the slave market of sin, we are chained up in the slave market of sin. So the only way that we can be purchased out of that is by the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sets us free from the prison house of sin. Only one element can purge a sinner from all their sins. Only one element can redeem a sinner, and that is the same. It's the same element can purge a sinner from all their sins, and the same element can redeem a sinner, and that is the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words in First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, for God's people, who by him do believe in God. He gives us faith. God gives us faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, true God-given faith has one object, and that's Christ and Christ alone, who by him do believe that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. All our faith and hope is in God and God alone. In the Lord Jesus Christ, again, is God incarnate in the flesh. Praise his mighty name. So what a hope the believer has in Christ. He's our eternal hope. He's our eternal hope. Think of natural man and woman. Their hope is in this world. But the things of this world will pass away. And yet if a man or woman are not redeemed by Christ, what other hope do they have? Well, they have a false hope, don't they? They have a refuge of lies. They live a few years. They eat, drink, enjoy the things of this world. They get older, and then the time comes when even the delight of good things fades away. And that which is dust returns to dust. And where are you? Well, those who trust and rest in Christ shall go into glory and be with the Lord forever because they were purchased by his precious blood. But those who have no hope in Christ, they will go off into a Christless eternity in hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth in utter darkness. 
Well, some people say, well, you know, I just want to be happy in life. Well, there's no hope just being happy. Not true hope, because the hope of this world fades away. Happiness is not putting your trust in anything in this life. If you are seeking happiness through anything in this life, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. It's going to get old. It's going to fade away. So flee from any hope other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's an eternal hope. He's the one true eternal hope. He's God. May God give you grace to flee to Christ, to look to him and live. Listen to what Psalm 146 verses 3 to 5 says. It says, put not your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in the leaders of this world, nor in the son of man. Don't put your trust in one another. We're just sinful human beings in whom there is no help. There's no eternal help in one another. Not at all. No eternal help in anything we do. No eternal help in any other human being. We're all drowned in, in sin. It says this, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to the earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Now listen to this in Psalm 146 verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. See, my hope in Christ is a hope in God because Christ is God. And true happiness is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So put your hope in the redeeming blood of God's dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only ransom for sinners that God will accept. Think of this. Go to Gethsemane and see the bloody clots on the ground as the Lord Jesus Christ prays. Then go to the place of judgment and see the Savior with his beard plucked out and his holy cheeks with spittle running down because they spit in his face and his back lacerated from the whips. And he is so in agony and tormented. Then stand at Calvary and see him dying, the just one, for the unjust. And remember those bitter torments were small compared to his inner soul anguish. And come away and surely you would say, there is my hope, the Christ of God. He by himself has purchased me with his own precious, precious blood. Now let's go back to Psalm 42. We'll read verses 6 to 11 of Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and all thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. In the night his song shall be with me. In my prayer unto the God of my life, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Sometimes things can be happening in our lives where we feel like the Lord's left us. But you know what? The Lord will never leave you. If you're one of his people, he's ever with you. He'll never leave you. You may feel like he has, but he's never left you. His eyes are fixed upon you. His thoughts are fixed upon his people, beloved. It's absolutely wondrous. And then look at verse 10. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. Well, they say daily unto me, where is thy God? So the enemies of God hound the people of God. Say, where is thy God? And then it says in Psalm forty-two, eleven, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Notice in verse 11, the scriptures declare that our God our great God is the health of our countenance. Notice the words, health of my countenance and my God. When does health come? When healing occurs, doesn't it? If you do not believe this human race is sick unto death, look around. And how can anyone say that we are not sick unto death? 
Now, there's a pandemic currently going through and around this world. But, you know, there's been a pandemic of sin, which has been happening for 6,000 years since Adam's fall in the garden. And who has the cure for the great pandemic of sin? The scriptures declare this, that the wages of sin is death. So every one of us is eventually going to die. You can't stop it because of sin. But who has a cure for this? Who has a cure for the pandemic of sin? Churches may say, well, we have it. Come and do all these religious things. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. All these religious requirements. And you'll be all right. Well, that's a false refuge. Because we saw earlier that there's none good. No, it's not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none good. And many men and women fall for this fake cure for sin. Finding a, a false refuge for sin. And a false hope for eternal life. And they look to their own works to find that false refuge. And deceiving false prophets say, Come and I'll heal that cancer in your body. And you'll have perfect health. But the pandemic of sin still rages. This sin sickness is not a body sickness, but a soul sickness. So who has the cure for sin sickness? Who has the cure for this great pandemic called sin? Well, First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, the scriptures declare this. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin. See, Christ is a sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It says, Neither was guile found in this mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. He committed himself to the Father. He was here to do the Father's will, beloved, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. But look at this. It says in First Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins. Remember we saw earlier that he purged our sins by himself, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So, so the sins of God's elect were imputed to Christ, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. And his spotless righteousness is imputed to us. And then it says this, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, as I said earlier, there's only one element that can purge a sinner and only one element that can redeem a sinner, and that's the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's only one element that can give health. It's his stripes, beloved. His awful suffering and death brings health to the soul who is sick unto death with the pandemic of sin. His blood that flowed freely brings health for the sin-sick soul, the forgiveness of all our sins. That's what we need to be cured from. That's what we need to be rescued from, our sins. We need to be rescued from the wrath and justice of God. In Christ himself has redeemed his people. Listen to this. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our souls. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He's the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He's wounded for my sins as a believer. As one of the elect of God, he's wounded for my sins. And if you're one of his people, he, he was wounded for your sins, for your transgressions as well. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. Oh my. So we who are the people of God believe that if Christ stood as our substitute, it was an actual, real, effectual atonement. And that we are positively delivered 
by that atonement. We're delivered from our sins. We're delivered from the wrath of God. We're delivered from the justice of God. We're delivered from the law of God because it's all been satisfied in the great sacrifice of the great substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of this. If our sin was imputed to Christ, it cannot be imputed to us. Heaven or hell cannot accuse the sons of God of any sin, even though we're still sinners while we're here on this earth. But we're clothed. We who are the people of God are clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. And if God has justified us, and if Christ has died in our place, then, then no man, no one can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Do you need help? The blood of Christ purges the sinner from all their sins. Do you need hope? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ redeems us, purchases the souls of his people. Oh, and gives them a hope, an eternal hope, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you need help? Do you need to be cured from the pandemic of sin? Do you need to be washed clean from all your sins? Do you need help? The blood of Jesus Christ heals from the pandemic of sin. Praise his mighty name. Amen and amen.